Where is your creative and business magic? And how do you tap into it? Stay tuned and find out. Okay, here's the question. How are we dark horses? You know, the ones everyone is betting against, the ones they don't expect to win, place, or even show on the track, and they'll even laugh on us when we talk about trying. How do we show the world our greatness and triumph? Well, that's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. This is The Dark Horse Entrepreneur. My name is Tracy Brinkman. What is up? What is up? What the hell is up, my dark horse friends and family? Welcome back to your weekly dose of creative purpose and minimum viable product learning. I'm your dark horse host, Tracy Brinkman, and you, well, that, my friend, it's infinitely more important. You are a driven entrepreneur or one in the making. Either way, you are here because you're ready to start, restart, kickstart, just start leveling up with some great marketing, personal, or business results in order to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And man, we got another big episode today. Today, Jason Sherman is going to be sharing about creativity, getting out there and helping that one person. Uh, he's also going to ask us, what is your, what is our call to action? And reminds us why we should start with our MVP, you know, that minimum viable product first. Plus, I'm going to let you in on next week's guest who's been featured in Fox as one of the 21 entrepreneurs that we need to know in 2021. But before we kick this off, I know you've been getting value from these episodes. So, and you want to keep getting value from these episodes. So please go on down there, hit that subscribe button while you're there. That's right. Leave us a five-star rating, drop us some kind words in the reviews, some ideas, some content you'd like to hear more about. Maybe someone you'd like to get us uh, see us get on the show and interview them. These subscribes, ratings, reviews, they tell the podcast platforms that you are getting that value. So they lift us up a little bit in the algorithms so that we can reach more driven entrepreneurs just like yourself. So please take a moment, show the love, and help spread the word. All right, enough of all that. As per usual, the dark horse corrals are chock full of personal business and marketing G-O-L-D spilling from every corner of the dark horse HQ. So let's get to the starting gates and go. All right, my dark horse friends and family, today's guest is Jason Sherman. Now, Jason is a successful entrepreneur, award-winning filmmaker, published author, tech startup expert, and a classically trained violinist, oh, and, and a journalist. He's been featured in several media outlets, including The Wall Street Journal, USA Today, The Verge, ABC News, and was a featured speaker on Fox Emmy Award-winning futurist TV show, Exploration Earth 2050. Now, Jason's methodologies on entrepreneurship and those data-driven decisions are his main source of education to those he helps all around the world. His startup book, Strap on Your Boots, is the culmination of his life's work in helping other entrepreneurs succeed. He also has a podcast by the same name. But, you know, I'm going to shut up here. I've probably already told too much of his story already. Got to leave a little something for Jason to share with you. Jason, welcome to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. I'm glad to have you aboard. Uh, like I was just telling you, I um, first thing I want to do is I just want to step back from the mic, let you tell your story. Obviously, you've got a lot under your belt already. So, you know, tell us the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, and uh, wh why you like doing what you do so much. Man, that's a great that's a great way to put it. And uh, man, it's been a wild ride. You know, uh, sometimes I think to myself, if the world ended tomorrow, I mean, the past year felt like the apocalypse, right? 
we're all wearing our Mad Max outfits. But if the if the world truly ended, would I be satisfied? And I think I would be. I feel like I've done, you know, everything I set out to do. I've I've tried every kind of industry that's out there. And I don't know what it is about the the creative juices that have been flowing through me my whole life, but it's really been about being as creative as possible, following my passions. And if if it was something that was turning into a job and it was more about the money. Mm-hmm. That's when I started to want, you know, I started to get kind of bored with it. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm earning good money from this, but I'm, I'm not enjoying it. I don't know what it is about the things that don't make money that make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, I mean, over the years, some things have been successful and some things haven't been, some things have been financially rewarding and some things have been more, you know, heartfelt, uh, rewarding, you know, fulfillment of, of my life's goals. And, uh, I think I, chose a good mix and match of those things to keep me going over the years to the point where uh, I found out that I could now help people do the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. on low budgets, which is a big thing because a lot of entrepreneurs don't have the money to start a business. Yeah. So that, that's kind of how I got to, to this point is I realized, okay, I can now help other people do what I do uh, without these millionaire gurus out there saying, oh, you can do what I did, which is BS because, you know, they had a real estate father or they had... <laughs> You know, somebody got a trust fund or whatever. So, you know, I just, yeah. I just feel, I just feel like it's unrealistic what the, what they're selling out there. There's, yeah, and that's a, that's a great point. And I, I had a chat with a, a guest not too long ago, actually a friend of mine, Zach Babcock, and uh, he came out five years in prison and decided. To, well, obviously, he was a, a little, uh, um, a little crippled by the the job market given you know his past experience so he steps out and now he's out there rubbing elbows with some of those millionaires via his podcast and the business that he's built because he really had no other choice he just he had to make it work right uh where like to your point some of those gurus are out there going hey you can do this too and i'm like well i don't know if i could do it your way because i've watched you for a decade or so and i still can't do that <laughs> Not only that, but you know, you bring up a good point. They've been out there pushing these these books and these courses for for years. Why? If they're millionaires, dude, go enjoy your life. Yeah. Stop stop pushing your, you know, are you really a millionaire now is what I wonder to myself. You know, uh, a lot of people who push courses and books and whatnot, people like me, for example, who are not millionaires, mm-hmm. but they are comfortable enough that they can now start helping people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, and I don't expect to make millions off of my course or my book. It's very unlikely. It's very difficult to do that. And so I look at it from the perspective of every single person who does read my book or does my course, I'm helping one more person right. who, who otherwise is getting fooled by these gurus. You know what I mean? So, yeah, uh, you know, and I, and like you said, I've been through a lot. I've, I've made movies. I've built tech platforms. I've been a journalist. I've been on TV shows, like I've done all these different things that have shown me the world from the viewpoint of an entrepreneur mm-hmm. more than most people. So I know I, I have a really good kind of uh, balancing act on what works well and what doesn't work well. And, and and I've been through so many different learning experiences and I've made a lot of mistakes and a lot of successes that I know what doesn't work and what does work. Sure. And before we get into some of those those nuts and bolts, I wanted to dig in a little bit on the creative juices. And for those that can't see this right now, behind Jason, he has this cool thing hanging on his wall, this fluid music note staff, and he's got some artwork back there that's very, uh, speaks to your creativity. Where, where in your space do you find you're the most creative? today or maybe maybe you know it was different you know 10 years ago or whatever yeah that's that's a that's a phenomenal question because i was just recently thinking about this after someone said to me 
why, you know, why do you do what you do? Why, like, for example, right now I'm working on a documentary. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing this? And the, and the funny, the word creative, you know, create is in there. Right. And right. I, fe- I feel the most happy when I'm creating something. Mm-hmm. So if I'm designing something or if I'm editing a movie or if I'm filming a movie or if I'm creating a, a, an app or if I'm helping someone create a, a product, if I'm writing a story, a screenplay, or if I'm working on a podcast episode, whatever it is, I feel so happy when I'm creating something because I feel as though it's something new. It's something exciting. It's something that no one's seen before. And when we talk about a documentary, for example, a movie for is, you know, it's one of the different things that I do. I feel like it's something that comes to you, right? It's, it's a, it's kind of a call to action that you see out in the world. That's something either bad is happening or something that you need to educate the public and nobody's doing it. No one is calling out that subject. Nobody is calling out that problem and it falls into my lap and I say, well, I guess I'm the person that's going to tell that story. Sure. A little bit of serendipity. Yeah. And I think it's kind of cool. I'm a big fan of creativity. I think what I really like about it is that really, and you kind of called it, it's that create, you're pulling something out of the ether and through the, um, through the, work that you do or through the guidance that you give <clears throat> of of a team you know you're creating something be it you know a piece of music a piece of art a podcast or a, a documentary I, I, I like that that whole hey i'm taking something from air to concept to execution to reality and it's yeah you're like yeah i did that it's right? magic it's yeah magic. isn't it you're, pull, you're pulling yeah. it out of thin air <laughs> that's for the real musicians i think entrepreneurs are really the real magicians right they they really literally create something out of nothing it's very difficult to do yes and Amen. not every and not everybody can do it not everybody has those creative juices in their in their dna and they're they're content with their you know nine to five job god bless them mm-hmm. uh, they're keeping the world running we need people that are just chugging along but then there's people like us who like to push the boundaries and, and we can't be confined in that in that nine to five structure. We, we work in a 24 hour structure where when things come to our heads, we put them out there. Yeah. Right. So let's let's just pivot right there into, OK, so we got the entrepreneur. Maybe he's listening to us right now. He's got this idea, this concept. I'm like, oh, they're talking about creating man. I'm totally I'm totally vibing with them. But they haven't taken the time to maybe, I don't know, validate their idea. Right. Is there a, a process or a method that someone you could guide someone on that to to a validating and maybe even finding who their 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 tribe is, their audience? Right. And, and you just hit the nail on the head. That's the uh, number one reason why entrepreneurs fail is because they don't validate their concept. I mean, let me ask you, Tracy, how many times have you had someone come to you and say, hey, man, I have the next billion dollar idea. I mean, how many times do people say that out loud and yeah. they don't and they have their horse blinders on? So they don't care if the train's gonna fall off the tracks. They're just gonna go full steam ahead and they're gonna try everything they can. But before you jump on a train, before you build the train, how about trying a skateboard, right? Let's make the skateboard work first. Yeah. If you, if you can make a simple piece of wood with four wheels move, and then people also try that skateboard and they jump on and they don't fall off, or they give you feedback about it, and now you can make a scooter. And then you can make a bicycle and then you can make a car and then you can make a train, right? So right. you got you to go through that process of validating the initial, what I call an MVP. It's out there, the minimum viable product, right? You have to, before you even get into building an MVP or any kind of prototype, 
you need to validate the fact that people want what it is you're about to build in the first place. Mm -hmm. And the most simplistic way of doing this is by creating a, a free survey that you, a very quick five question survey, give it out to friends and family, send it out on social media, definitely get strangers to answer it. Try to get a hundred answers, if not, so you can get a good gauge of a hundred percent. And then you'll, you'll have some answers, right? Use, use the data to make your decisions on what you should be building. Maybe you shouldn't be building it. Good example is on Shark Tank. You see a lot of entrepreneurs coming in there with, with some sometimes bad ideas. And they spent like hundreds of thousands of dollars on these bad ideas. And the sharks are like, you know, Mr. Wonderful says, take it out back in the barn and shoot it, right? right. So <laughs> you shouldn't have built that. You should have known that people didn't want that product. So, you know, of course you can avoid this problem by making a survey, maybe designing some mock-ups before mm. building an app. Maybe with, for a, if you're going to build a physical widget, get a 3D printer or a place that has a 3D printer, ah. build, build one, right? Take it out into the streets and show people, say, what do you think of this product? Let them hold it in their hands. Let them see how they, see how they use it. See if they, if it, if they, you know, if they like holding it or if it's like too bulky or too clunky. Right. So there's a lot of different things you can do, but definitely surveys and uh, getting feedback and then showing people something before you build it. That's the, the number one thing you should be doing. I really like that idea of uh, having a, th a 3D printers. The advent of those is just huge for the entrepreneurs out there because I could be holding something going, wow, if it was just X, whatever X is, right? It would feel much better in my hand, that, that tactile. I remember I, I worked with a, a company that uh, did high-end um, indoor and outdoor home goods, furniture, lights, a whole nine yards. And uh, they were wise enough to bring in a, a set of their core clientele, right? Housewives. They, they were, they, you know, again, they were, they were high end folks. So these are folks that had, you know, half million dollar homes and above. And, you know, bringing them in for a couple of days, you know, and just sharing their ideas of, hey, we bought this product and it was great. Well, except, you know, these two or three things. And, and then you start, then, you know, once the discussion really got rocking and rolling, they were like, well, what about this? You know, ideas started coming up that, you know, even their uh, their engineering staff would be like, we never thought of that. Well, yeah, you know, so and then they would help uh, help them kind of, hey, well, let's take this. There was one cool thing. We all know what those uh, hurricane lamps, right? You've got right. the nice thing. You put the candle down inside there. Pretty basic. Guy says, well, what about one that was really kind of shaped like a pineapple? Because the pineapple whole theme was right. all through his house. Oh, that's kind of a cool idea. Getting the glass to do that was challenging, but they ended up uh, engineering it, creating it. And it became number one of the number one sellers because they listened to somebody feedback. and you're, yeah, that feedback from their audience. You know, um, and, you, and you just described also uh, the oldest trick in the book, which is the TV show focus groups, right? Yeah. They, that's what they would do. They'd stick like 20 people in a room, give them pizza and coffee, and, and yep. they'd have them show, show the, you know, show the TV show. And then they would ask them for feedback. And then what you said, right? They would say, well, what if the main character was a lesbian or something? You know what yeah, I mean? So they would, right? they would switch it up and then, oh yeah, now I would like the show. You know what I mean? So like, absolutely. That's kind of how they're, that's, that's it, take, take what works. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and sometimes, like you said, that MVP is going, let's go, let's go right to it. I know I just did an episode, uh, I think I just dropped it last Friday, as a matter of fact, which comes first, um, the product or the audience, hmm. right? And uh, I think the audience, audience. really, it's, it's going to be first. So go to that audience, 
ask the questions like you were saying, get that feedback. And now you're, now you're either going to be saying, wow, I'm glad I didn't waste all the time and money creating that product that nobody would buy. Exactly. And or, how easy is it, is it to put up like two landing pages and do some AB testing for some audiences, maybe pay 50 right. bucks in ads and just figure out if people want your damn product in the first place. Right. I mean, it's right. not that it's not that difficult to do. And once you have that audience, guess what? You got a hundred email addresses or, mm -hmm. or, or Facebook group and you can now say, well, should the product be pink or should it should the app uh, not have a camera ability or, you know, should this thing do this? And like you said, X, Y, Z. So it's better to, to ask the market what they want versus you thinking that you know what the market wants and then failing miserably. Right. And, and then the odds of those folks, if nobody else, just those folks that you've been engaged with of buying it have just shot through the roof to like, Hey, I helped create that. Right. So they're going to buy it and then they're going to tell their friends and so forth and so on. And that's how you get pre-orders and that's how you get Kickstarter campaigns going. And that's, See? that's the way to do it. We're, we're, we're here just creating businesses, y'all. <laughs> exactly. One step so, at a time. I, I think, I think the one thing I can hear somebody out there in audience going, yeah, but what if my idea is so unique You're now listening to, to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast? Let's say the iPod or the iPhone of yesteryear, right? When it first came to the market, everyone's like, what? I don't need that. Until someone took the simple idea, and Steve Jobs, we all know, 10,000 songs in your pocket. Okay, I get it, right? Right? It, it's, if someone is sitting on their idea going, my idea is the next iPhone, okay, maybe it is. Do you have any advice for them? Absolutely. And the reason why not only is it going to be difficult for people to have that billion dollar idea, but there have been so many things invented, right? I mean, we're, we're going to space. We have the internet. Yeah. We have smartphones. I mean, we're, we're now passing thresholds of the singularity with artificial intelligence and augmented yeah. reality. And, you know, it's just really getting out there with sci-fi type of stuff happening. So to really, you really need to find a pain point in the world, number one. That is so immense that your solution is going to, is going to be just revolutionary. It's going to change. The, it's going to be a paradigm shift. Like, yeah. It can't just be like, Oh, this app does this. It, you just can't do that anymore. It's just not big enough. Yeah. So you got to find a pain point. Number one. So you can do it, but here's the thing. Ideas are a dime a dozen. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it has to be all about execution. You have to not only have the best of the best team to execute. You have to have the patience because it's going to take you years. Of, of chugging along and, and really grinding it out because this is the, one of the biggest failures from startups. And I've talked to entrepreneurs a million times who say, Oh yeah, yeah. My ideas, I'm going to, you know, they're already talking numbers. I'm going to, I'm going to have $10 million funding in one year after building this thing. And I'm like, uh, this isn't Silicon Valley 20 years ago. Yeah. They're not, they're not going to throw money at the wall and, and watch it stick. Right. So you're going to have to grind this out for two to four years before you get around the funding. Mm -hmm. You can do family and friends. So I always tell people, look, your best bet is build as much as you can on your own, whatever it is, mm -hmm. 3D printed product, prototype for your app. If it's a movie, it's even, even easier nowadays with digital cameras and do as much as you can to show the public what you're capable of. And then you'll attract people who are interested in what it is you're doing. You know, as an example, uh, from some of the technology platforms that I built in the past, I would build a prototype. I'd learn how to program enough to build a prototype that functioned. Mm -hmm. And then I would get programmers who I would meet at events and say, hey, what do you think of my app? And they would say, oh, it's pretty cool. I like it. I think it would be better if it could do this, this, and this. And then I'm like, okay, I got them in. So so how, do you want to help me build that? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, for, you know, X amount percent equity. 
or I'd find uh, a woman who uh, liked the app idea and wanted to help me market it because she saw potential. Yeah. So again, if you can show somebody the vision or the potential of what your product can do, mm-hmm. and they're interested in that industry or that idea, you can get them involved to help you execute the idea. And, and that's really all it is, is really execution. If it's poor execution, like look at Quibi. Quibi is a perfect example of a multi-billion dollar app that was funded, Jeff, Jeffrey Katzenberg and, and uh, the ex-CEO of Facebook, Sheryl, Sheryl Sandberg, they, they teamed up to make this like short form video app because they thought it was going to be able to crush Netflix and Hulu and whatnot. And after a couple of months, I don't even think it even launched. I think like a couple of months in, they they just crashed and burned. Poor execution. Mm-hmm. Poor execution, right? Yeah. Even billions of dollars being backed by Walmart and, and whoever else that was backing them, they still failed. Wow. So it's a lesson. Quibi yeah. is a lesson for all entrepreneurs. Absolutely. 100%. Wow. That, that was gold right there. All right. So you've got the book. You've mentioned it a couple of times. I know you have a course. you got the podcast. And this all seems to be wrapped up in this uh, bootstrap, right? Yeah. Kind it's of- it's definitely a package. They all, they all go together. And it all started with the book, Strap on Your Boots, because I was asked by some people that I was working with to keep giving them information, keeping it. So I was typing up emails and typing up kind of Google docs and I was just getting tired of it. So I put it all into a book Ah, and I started giving the book out to entrepreneurs and it was helping them. And some contacts at universities like UPenn's Wharton School, Temple, Drexel, all these different like really awesome schools said, hey, we want to use this for our entrepreneurship program. Can you make a course? So I did Startup Essentials. I started teaching that workshop course, whatever you want to call it at these universities and they were doing so much better. Like they were saving time, they were saving money. And I realized, okay, this stuff is working. So I put it online and the podcast that came out with a couple of years ago was kind of an intermediary. It's smaller tidbits that go in between the book and the course. So it's gotcha. more, more daily kind of, uh, and it's also updated as to, you know, things change, you know, mm-hmm. uh, my YouTube channel, same thing. So all of it kind of gets put together and it all works. So I get, reached out by people every day about how much it's helping them. And it's realistic, right? The, the mm. key is here. It's realistic. It's from examples that I've used in my daily work life. And and it's not just work, uh, Tracy. It, it also has to do with the mindset, you know, like doing yoga and meditation and being yeah. healthy and exercising, right? I do all of those things. And if you don't do those things and you just want to keep, like uh, Gary V always says, you hustle, hustle, hustle. No, 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 no. You, you don't have to hustle, hustle, hustle. You have to work hard but you have to take care of yourself too. Yeah. And that's very important. If you don't take care of yourself, you're going to get burned out. You're going to be miserable. It's not going to work. Your your company's going to go bankrupt. Like you need to you need to also take a step back and relax. I mean, I know uh, all the folks I've been lucky enough to bring onto this show, they even if they have that hustle 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 mentality, they have that also I need to have my space. You know, all of them have some sort of morning routine or evening routine in me time. You know, even if it's just, you know, 15 minutes where they go in the backyard and, you know, play with the dog or, you know, sit in the home, whatever it is for them that works, that is that relaxing, centering moment. And that's huge. And then they, then, you know, then they're back at it. Hustle, hustle, hustle. But yeah, you're right. It's that huge balance that goes into to both sides. Absolutely. All right. So you, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned the gurus earlier. So I got to, I got to bring this back. 
So it, Uh-oh, it, am I going to get in trouble for this? It, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you, you have some winning strategies and methodologies in your course and your book, and you're even sharing updates via your podcast, which I think is an awesome uh, tactic for that right here. That way I don't have to keep doing the revised version of the book. I'm just like, here's the update uh, here in the podcast. Exactly. How does that fare against the quote? Yeah, I'm doing the air quotes here, gurus and the messages they're putting out. That's a great question that goes back years because I was one of those entrepreneurs who wanted to learn from the gurus. Mm-hmm. So I read The Rich Dad, Poor Dad, The Four Hour Work Week, and all the other books you can think of that, you know, I've read probably 10 books. And the take home that I got from those books was that you too can do what they did. If you were wealthy in the 90s Mm -hmm. and were able to buy a lot of real estate, or if you had a family member who had a thriving business that you took over and helped make it bigger, Mm -hmm. or if you had a friend or family member who believed in you and gave you a million bucks for an idea that was on a piece of paper that you didn't build. So there's a lot of these factors involved. Uh, Some of it's luck. I mean, I remember somebody in a book mentioning they sold an algorithm for for uh, sports betting, something or other, and it got sold for you know millions of dollars. I mean, look, the chances of us doing that and then having 20 million bucks to, to fund our operations for the next 30 years, not even small, slim to none. Okay? Yeah. So it's like, it's just not going to happen. You're, you're better off buying lottery tickets. So, you know, it comes down to not, I just don't believe that. I just don't believe them because I, I have yet to read one book that I could replicate. The key word here is replicate. Mm-hmm. You cannot, it's, you know what it's like? Here's how, here's how I, here's how I give you an analogy. You buy a, a, a cake box at the store and you bring that cake box back home and you put it into the bowl and you mix it with the egg and the, the oil and you put it in the oven and you make a cake. That's like my book, my book and my course. You can actually take the recipe and make the cake and it actually works. The other guys are expecting you to make a five course Michelin meal and they're not going to give you the ingredients. Yes. They don't give you the ingredients. (laughs) Like here's how you make it. Here's how you make it. Sugar. Yeah. 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 It's not going to happen. Right. So at least in in my case, I'm giving you the ingredients for the cake and you just have to put it together and and build it and and bake it. So yeah, that's, that's where I got frustrated, Tracy. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm with you there, and I've probably read probably all the books you have, and uh, we'll use one that you, uh, I think you mentioned there earlier, you know, the the, the four hour work week, right? Well, if, if you've read the book, and 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 I'm not slighting him, right? It's a good no, book. I, I enjoyed was. reading it. I've read it twice. Or actually, read it once and listened to it a second time. I'm a big Audible fan. But if you think about it, the core of the book is outsourcing. That's it. It's a lesson in outsourcing. He just told it to you in a whole book and filled it with lots of great stories, but it's all about outsourcing. At the end and of the also day. outsourcing in a time where it was not really known. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I've been outsourcing for years, but not everybody can do that, especially nowadays. It's, it's difficult. You have to learn how to manage these teams overseas. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to do the work yourself first. Yes. Because if you don't do the work first, then you don't know what they're doing. You and can't train them. <laughs> can't train them. So, and you know, if I have to go back to one book where I, I can say it definitely helped me early on in my entrepreneurship career, it's The Lean Startup, right? I mean, that book definitely put things in the perspective of experimentation. Let's run these experiments 
And I, I kind of use lean methodology in my day-to-day operation now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of a core concept in my book as well. I just kind of tweaked it for my own specific uh, tactics and my strategies that work for me. But doing the lean methodology definitely works because the less you do and the more information and feedback and data you get and the quicker you iterate, the more successful you're going to be. And that's really the key to any startup. Right. That's money right there. It's funny you, you mentioned that is uh, I, I got my uh, teeth cut in uh, uh, corporate America in planning and marketing and uh, logistics planning specifically. Right. And so there's a lot of all right, we're going to just look at the data and, and modify the process, review, relook at the data with the new process in place. And it's a rinse and repeat process. You, you just keep going through and through that. And then if you can take that same methodology into your marketing, well, then now your business is doing good and your marketing is doing good. But it, you, if you're not looking at the data and if you're not build a first building a process, right? And then tweaking that process where you find the, the, the bottlenecks or the holes or the fat. Hey, God, I'm doing, I'm doing too, way too much here. Let's lean, let's trim that down to your, to your point of being lean. Yeah. And that's using the funnels, right? Finding what's blocking the funnel. Is it acquisition? Yep. Is it retention? Is it, you know, revenue? What's, what's causing the problem and then fixing it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And everyone's process will be different. Yeah. And, and, you, that, and that's the other piece of it is just because it worked for Russell or, John or Gary V, it doesn't mean if you could replicate it, that it would work for you because you have a different idea, you have a different modality, it's a different time, et yep. cetera, et cetera. And, and that's, I, that's why I feel like my, my package is so effective because it can work for literally any human being who uses the tools that I give you or the tactics and the strategies I give you. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. You could be starting a brick and mortar store and I still follow my steps and you will succeed. It's just a matter of following certain steps and applying them to your industry, right? That's really the key. That's really the key. That's the magic right there, right? Exactly. All right. So you've got these great steps. So I'm going to ask you, all right, give my entrepreneurs listening right now, let's say they're just starting off in their entrepreneurial journey. What's the number one thing you want them to walk away hearing from you today? Wow, that's a good, that's a wonderful way to end this thing. And I would say if I was talking to myself as an entrepreneur first starting out, I'd say get ready to put yourself on a long journey. It's not going to be a quick overnight success. You know, make sure that what it is you're going to embark on is something interesting to you that's going to keep you passionate. Make sure that you're going to be happy doing it every single day. And above all, make sure that you learn as much as possible about the topic, the industry, the market, the space that you're about to enter, because you need to become an expert mm-hmm. at everything about it, whether it's uh, you know the audience, the products, your competitors, um, where you're going to be in five years, be able to iterate quickly. So if you need to change your idea or pivot, be, be ready to do that. And if there's a day where you are stressed out and you want to give up, and you just can't get past a wall or an obstacle. You can't raise the money. You, nobody wants to buy your product. Nobody wants to help you. It doesn't matter. You learned so much mm-hmm. getting to that point. And don't walk away thinking that you're a failure. Walk away thinking that you're that much better at being an entrepreneur and that you will not make the same mistakes twice. You're going to learn from them and you're going to push forward with something else. And that's going to succeed. That's fire. That's it. See, it's not failure. It's feedback. You've heard me say that before here. 
All right. So the folks want to learn more about Jason Sherman and strap on your boots, the podcast, the book, the course, where are we sending them to? JasonSherman.org. Everything is really on my website. Uh, the, the course, the book, the podcast. There's a free startup guide on there. It's called Startup Essentials uh, Free Guide. Gives you about two pages worth of some gems that will really help you stay on the right path. Um, it's kind of a cheat sheet to my book and my course. Sweet. All right. So that's, we'll be that's sure available to get, there. We'll definitely get all those linked up in the show notes so folks can just click right on through and check you out. Cool, cool. Jason, I definitely appreciate you coming and hanging out with us, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. It was I, awesome. I love the good conversations. You know that. Me too. <laughs> all right, man. All right. All right. There you have it, my dark horse friends and family. Jason Sherman dropping creative MVP bombs on us today. What ideas did you walk away with? Let me share the four that hit me today. Thought number one, be more creative. I mean, right out of the gate, Jason reminded us that we need to be more creative. Jason is at his happiest when he's creating. Are you? How about you? I know I love it when I'm creating. And see, that for him isn't always about being the financial reward. I mean, sometimes it was. Other times it was more about that heartfelt reward. Jason felt that he was lucky enough during the course of his life to have chosen a great mix and match of both to keep him moving forward. How does um, how goes your creative side? I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into this on Wednesday's episode, episode 196, Ramping Up Your Creativity. Thought number two, get out there and help one person. Jason reminded us again that it's not just about the money. I mean, he said it himself. He's not a millionaire. He's comfortable and that's enough. He puts his content out there in the hopes that one more person that reads his book or one more person that takes his course will be helped by his message and his content to lift themselves up to the levels that they desire and deserve. I want to dig a little bit deeper on this one on Friday in episode 197, the best ways to help others and yourself. Thought number three, what is your call to action? Now, Jason reminds us that he and we tend to be at our most creative when we are working on that thing that comes to us, right? Whether it came to us in the middle of the night as an epiphany or in the shower or just that aha moment, right? We, we see a hole in the market and we want to fill it. We see a wrong being done and we want to right it. I've also come to realize that our call to action encompasses more than just our careers or our business ventures. Living our call to action means living intentionally, engaging in meaningful and worthwhile adventures both in and outside of work. You see, when we contribute to those around us in ways that we feel true to us, we're able to feel a deep sense of uh, contentment and fulfillment that's really hard to find anywhere else. And then finally, thought number four, build your MVP. Yeah, that's right. Build that skateboard before you build the dream train. I think Jason gave such a great analogy where it comes to validating your idea and slowly leveling up your idea to its ultimate destination, right? You have to, if you have your idea of the next great train, plane, or automobile, 
then start by building that skateboard first, then move on to the scooter and to the bicycle and so on, building your audience and following along the way. I mean, do you think the odds of your ultimate train idea being a raving success when you finally do introduce it to them, you think it's going to go through the roof? Yeah, of course it will. Now, maybe not all of your fans, but far more and with far less effort than if you risk jumping right out there into the train idea. I mean, think about it. You don't even have the tracks laid out yet. So get your vision. Get those surveys out there. Get those mock-ups out there. Get those first samples out there and learn from the very people that you're looking to serve to attract them to you, to serve them, and they will ever be in your favor and ever on your side. All right, my Dark Horse friends and family, what inspiring tips or thoughts resonated with you? Whatever they were, yeah, that's right. You want to take some time today. You want to put them into action. Take some time to write them down. And then when you have a moment to yourself, right, go over those thoughts or ideas and say, hmm, how am I going to use those? And then get out there, run your race, get your results with those inspiring tips and ideas that resonated with you. Then let me hear about them. Seriously, email me at tracy at darkhorseschooling.com. Share the tips or ideas you came away with, how you put them into action, and what results you gained from them. And I'll even bring you on the show and let you share it with the audience. Now, next week, our interview episode guest is going to be Khalid Maziad. Now, Khalid is not just another one of those coaches. Now, Khalid is a speaker that helps coaches clearly articulate their value and confidently craft and present a $3,000 plus no-brainer offer using the psychology of the next step. Right now, I know you want to keep getting all those valuable tips and these inspirational stories from guys like Khalid and Jason and everyone I'm lucky enough to bring on here. So like I mentioned earlier, please go on down there, hit that subscribe button while you're there, drop us that five star rating and take a second, drop us some kind words in the reviews. Heck, give me some constructive criticism. I'm good with that. Ask questions. I read every single one of the uh, reviews and I'd be happy to answer them here on the podcast or over in the Dark Horse Facebook group. So come on over there and join us there. And of course, do not keep all this entrepreneurial G-O-L-D all to yourself. Share this podcast with entrepreneurs and business owners that you know will get value from it. And with that, I'm going to leave you as I always do. Think successfully and take action. Thank you for listening to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. All right. My name is Tracy Brinkman.